Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one mind-expanding page of Talmud every day. And today's the premium remote four and five. Well, they um ask a question that isn't very easy to answer. The pages bring us all sorts of claims about all sorts of punishments that are due because of all kinds of transgressions. Then they ask, really, hold on, how do we know that one transgression needs to be dealt with so severely? And the answer the rabbis give is, well, because it is written in the Torah right next to another transgression that is punishable by death, which puts an interesting question. Have a listen. With regard to this proof, Rabbi Yehuda said to Ben Azai, and simply due to the fact that the Torah juxtaposed this matter to that one? Shall we take this person out to be stoned? Should he be sentenced to the most severe of the death penalties on the basis of a juxtaposition of passages? The discussion that follows is intricate and fascinating, but as always, it's about much more than meets the eye, much more than is simply in the text or on the page. It's about Systems of thought. How do we know what we know? How do we have the confidence? How do we have the certainty? Which really, if you think about it, is the core conundrum at the very heart of, well, not just religious belief, but also modernity and doubt. It's a core question that continues to animate the struggle between those who believe and those who don't. And it's also a question that permeates every page of an amazing new book called Strauss, Spinoza, and Sinai, Orthodox Judaism and Modern Questions of Faith. And we are delighted to have today as our guest on the show, one of the book's three editors. Welcome to Take One, Jeffrey Bloom. Thank you so much. So we read in today's stuff this sort of profound question of how do we know what we know and what is knowledge and what is religion and what is faith and, and how should we go about believing or not believing? And I want to ask you to address the same question, but on a very personal note, I, I want to take you back to an instance that you describe in the introduction to this amazing book. You're a young man and you read an essay that I don't think is much of an exaggeration to say sort of changes your life, right? Tell us about it. Yeah, so it's an essay by Leo Strauss, who is well-known as a political philosopher, and well-known as a Jewish thinker as well. And he has an essay that he wrote as a preface to a study of Spinoza. The study of Spinoza was written when he was a young man. The preface is written as he's an older man, and he reviews the development of his thinking about Judaism and how he thought about the conflict between religion and reason, which is another great Straussian theme. And in the midst of this essay, he offers a, a refutation of Spinoza and a defense of, of Orthodox Judaism. And I read this when, after college, I was working in Washington, D.C., exploring Judaism, exploring becoming Orthodox. And I, I read this defense of Orthodoxy, and it wasn't the only thing that propelled me to become Orthodox, but it definitely, I think, as I say in the introduction to the book, it broke the spell of simple secularism. And the argument that Strauss makes in brief is that if Orthodox Jews want to maintain, let's call it the unreconstructed old-time religion, despite all the, the whole onslaught of biblical criticism that is sort of inaugurated arguably by Spinoza and developed in the, in the 19th century, 
if they wanted to maintain that old-time religion, they can do so if they're willing to admit they only believe it to be true, but they don't claim that they know it to be true. So he makes this fundamental distinction in his mind between uh, belief on one hand and, and knowledge on the other hand. If, if orthodoxy believes its claims, that's one thing. If it claims to know its claims, that's another thing. So I go off to yeshiva, I end up in Israel, I'm studying in yeshiva, and I'm talking to orthodox rabbis about this question, you know, uh, posing the question to them, is, is this what we believe? Are we is it essentially, are the grounds on which you're orthodox, and I'm trying to be orthodox, this idea from Strauss, or do you have some some better arguments? I pose this to every thoughtful, intelligent, heavy hitter rabbi that I could get my hands on. And years later, I saw an essay by uh, someone named Thomas Merrill, who's a professor at at, uh, American University, and he pointed out, essentially, that in Strauss's preface to Spinoza, the essay that we're talking about here, Strauss never asks Orthodox thinkers what they think. He says that orthodoxy is essentially a silent interlocutor. You know, he never really asks Orthodox thinkers what they think of the question. Strauss, who himself, by the way, was not Orthodox, he was Orthodox adjacent, raised nominally Orthodox, but not himself an observant Jew. Correct, exactly. And Strauss's own religious beliefs are a complex topic picked over by Straussians and, and people who care about Strauss and whatnot. But the, the point is, he, he was raised in Orthodox home, Orthodox adjacent, not Orthodox, makes this defense of Orthodoxy. Is it, though, an Orthodox defense? Do Orthodox Jews actually think this way, or do they think a different way? And Strauss himself never asks Orthodox Jews. I, when I was in Yeshiva, was asking Orthodox Jews. I read an essay a couple years ago where someone points this out, they never asked Orthodox Jews, and a light bulb went off that I could ask Orthodox Jews this question. And I reached out to the people who ended up becoming the co-editors of the book, we ended up reaching out to a group of Orthodox thinkers, got essays back, and we collected them in this volume in an attempt to sort of answer the question, you know, is this the, is this the approach, the, the approach that Strauss lays out in this preface, is this the approach that Orthodox Jews have, or do they have a better way to think about the question? In other words, do they really believe that, well, we could say what we say if we say that we believe it as opposed to know it, or is there a more kind of profound, ontological, if you will, basis to know, which, again, is, is, is sort of the question I think the Daf of Talmud is, is subtly asking today. So give us a little taste of, of some of the answers or approaches or attempted answers that we will read in this book. Sure. So there's, there's, there's 17 different essays. I would say that they kind of aggregate around a few main themes. I would say that one of them is the idea of the Daf, uh, the Talmud, the oral law in Judaism. What role does that play? What kind of knowledge is the knowledge of the Talmud and the oral law? Are there strategies within the oral law to make accommodations to, to what we know from modernity that don't, I would say, involve, I'd put it, giving away the store to biblical criticism completely, but still are legit within the tradition? would say that there's a set of essays that really go to town on this question of faith versus knowledge. Is, it, is that distinction that Strauss presents as bulletproof? Is it really bulletproof? Uh, spoiler alert, it might not be as clear as he presents it when you kind of dig in 
to the sources. I think one essay that was very special to me sort of traces the history of how we experience our very sense of self. I think, you know, we naturally experience the Enlightenment's vision of reality as just totally obvious. And I think when we open up the Torah, uh, it seems pretty weird and cartoonish. And why is that? The fact that we see the world that way actually has a history within the, the oral law. And one of the essays tr traces that. There's other essays that sort of make updated versions of what I'd call the argument from tra tradition that Jewish history and experience credibly reflect evidence of an encounter with, with God. And I think another set of essays that are really interesting to me, they actually make the case, you know, the book is asking the question, you know, there are axioms of belief and there are axioms of disbelief. And once you've picked an axiom, you know, you can sort of set up a whole system. But the axioms themselves, how do you adjudicate between the axioms? Do the axioms of belief have any advantage? Is there any way to adjudicate in their favor over the axioms of disbelief? And there's a couple arguments there's a couple essays that actually make the argument that you can, that they're superior either because you can make the argument that they are morally transformative, or one essay even makes the argument that they're really the prerequisite to any conversation that we can have about meaning in the first place. These are such incredible, life-altering questions, and anyone who is even remotely curious about them and about Judaism's responses will find so much to love in Strauss, Spinoza, and Sinai, Orthodox Judaism, and Modern Questions of Faith. Jeff Bloom, thank you so much for being our guest. Thank you. A real pleasure. This has been Take One, a production of Tablet Studios. If you enjoy this show, and I hope you do, please go and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Each week, we'll be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Dafyomi. I'm your host, Leah Leibowitz, and our producers are Daron Ruskay, Josh Cross, Robert Scarmuccia, Sarah Fredman-Ader, and Quinn Waller. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash takeone or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. You could find us on Twitter at takeonedafyomi or join our Facebook group by searching for Take One Podcast. I hope we've made your day a little bit more Talmudic and we'll see you again soon.